right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck here on The Athletic. I'm alongside my co-worker, Jordan Bianchi. We're here to talk about the second Pocono race. We already talked about the first Pocono race on a subscriber-only episode of the podcast. So if you're not a subscriber to The Athletic and you want to hear what we thought of the first Pocono race, that is on The Athletic platform. But here we are for everybody else uh, who can listen for free as well to talk about Pocono number two. Jordan, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Yourself? Uh, you know, I'm doing pretty good because I I am kind of pleasantly surprised, almost borderline <laughs> shocked that they got uh, all three races in. I mean, you know, when, when the truck race got rained out and they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to try a triple header. And I'm like, good luck with the Pocono weather and, um, you know, <laughs> no with no lights. lights. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and even with the, with the cup race, um, even when the weather, cautions. yeah, you're like, there's no way when they started stage three, there was no way they're going to finish that race, uh, yeah. before it gets dark zero chance. Like I was like, no way. And, uh, they, they ended up running all of stage three caution free and they made it. So lots of surprises, um, today, but you know, kudos to NASCAR and everybody involved for, for getting all those races. And that's. I mean, it's never happened before. Uh, three races in the same day at the same track. So, um, you know that that was good. So, yeah, I'm in I'm in a good mood that we don't have to uh, sit and you know because what they probably would have done is you know maybe not. I, I I never heard the contingency plan, but I was thinking, oh gosh, it's going to get rained out, and they're going to be like, okay, we'll try another 4 p.m. start again. You know, like they've been doing for TV, and I would just been like, oh, we got to wait around all day. But um, it's it's uh, it's in the books. Pocono's in the books for the year. So there you go. But I thought this one I thought this one was much better than yesterday. I don't. What did you think? I thought it was great. I really enjoyed today. And you know, yesterday's podcast, I talked about how this really allowed the, these Pocono races allow crew chiefs to shine, and it puts an onus on them. And I think today you saw that. I think Chris Gabart, Denny Hamlin's crew chief, was phenomenal. He called a great race. Rodney Childers, Kevin Harvick's crew chief. Um, you know, I built a fast race car, but his strategy calls at the end, they were probably weren't the same level as Chris. And he was apologizing to Kevin at the end of the race because he, he made a mistake and went to pit Kevin Harvick. And that was the difference right there. And I think we saw that today. We saw it in the varying strategies throughout this race. I thought it was very entertaining. You, you had guys on, you, some guys were staying out for long stretches. Other guys were pitting right away. You just saw so many varying strategies, and it made it for a very interesting race. And I, and I was I was very surprised and much feel much differently about today than I did yesterday. Yeah, I really enjoyed the strategy part of it. And, you know, to, to Rodney Childers' credit, I mean, had a caution come out uh, when Hamlin was trying to stretch it before sure. he pitted, Hamlin would have been done, and Harvick probably would have been in the catbird seat with a restart. Uh, to win there and, and, you know, with the best car perhaps. So, um, you know, it's who would have thought that there would be no cautions in that, in that final stage. Right. I mean, um, the last caution lap was uh, they went green on lap 90, I think. So 50 to go. So uh, yeah, the 50 lap green flag stint there. I mean, yeah, I mean, you just wouldn't have thought that given the trends of the race uh, and the trends of the Xfinity and truck race too. Um <laughs> just the way the day had been going. But yeah, as it works out, I mean, Chris Gabehart, great call. Um, he, you know, and, and he talked about it afterwards, he knew it was, he was going to do the entire time mm-hmm. just came down to execution. I, I love, uh, you know, cause sometimes it's so, it feels so easy to be a couch crew chief 
and you're sort of like, oh, yeah. oh I, my I, gosh, I, <laughs> I could totally do like like remember the the whole Alan Gustafson thing uh, with the Coke 600 or whatever, yeah. where you know you're like everybody's just like, what are you doing? You know, well, yeah, and that was obvious, but yeah, right, right. <laughs> but so then then when you're sort of it's uh, you're you get sort of delighted sometimes to see the the real masterminds. Uh, make some great calls and do their thing there. Not to say Alan Gustafson isn't at times, but um, Gabe Hart is a really smart guy. I really like to see his mind work. Um, so that that was fun to see see that work out. Um, you know, just the strategy element of it. And you could see Steve Letard on Twitter was like, "Man, I miss Pocono because of all the different mm-hmm. calls." So I will give that to Pocono as much as I bitched about it on uh, the first Pocono podcast, um, which the subscribers heard. Uh, you know, I, I was all prepared to have two days of dumping on Pocono, but, um, I, I did enjoy that element of it. So that was cool. Um, it's interesting, you know, I was thinking today how in, you know, the, the spring Pocono race two years ago was really when the whole big three thing emerged. That was the first time we started talking about the big three and we started looking at the playoff points and saying, wow, you know, there's really three drivers who are really standing out here. And, this time it's not really the case. I think there's a lot more parity and it, it kind of depends on the track and it's been up and down, but these, these last two races at Pocono uh, with Harvick and Hamlin finishing one, two, I mean, it really hits home about how those two teams are really particularly strong right now. Yeah. I mean, they've, they separated themselves from the pack a little bit and you can see it in the way they call races. I mean, today, Chris Gabart was able to be aggressive and kind of go on a limb with his strategy call because they had wins and they didn't have to worry about stage points so much. And it may cost Hamlin the regular season championship, but they're going after wins and the wins matter more than anything. And you're seeing two drivers and two teams that are always in the mix that make it to the final four on a near annual basis assert themselves and I think they they are clearly head and shoulders above the rest and I'm working on this thing for the athletic for next week and I'm trying to you know rate the top three drivers from the first half of the regular season well clearly in some order Kevin Harvick and, and Denny Hamlin are one too I, I had Hamlin second but I'm gonna have to change that because I think now with four wins he, he certainly is deserving of that top spot but who who deserves who's that third driver I don't have an answer for you I can make a case for Logano and Keselowski at times I have Ryan Blaney listed there right now because I think he's showing that he can run at the front, but Chase Elliott has done that as well. There's just there isn't really that clearly that third driver, and I think Denny Hamlin based and and Kevin Harvick based on their wins, their consistency, the laps they lead are head and shoulders above the competition. I I just think it's so interesting how we started off this year talking about Hendrick, 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 mm-hmm. Chevrolet. Wow, what an advantage they have. You know, Gibbs are so far off from the West Coast swing. We were everybody was worried. And even when things you weren't, well, no, I said to you, I said, I said to you all along that Toyota was not that far off. People were kind of begging on him. And I'm like, mm. well, wait a second here. Come on. I mean, uh, Denny Hamlin to go pull audio. You can go one. pull the audio you want to. But I said, I said, Hendrick is back and Hendrick's looking good. But I said, the Toyota is not that far off. Martin Tricks, Jr. Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin are running up front on a consistent basis. They're leading laps. It's, you know, yeah, they're not winning like they were, but they're not that far off. It was just, it did seem like people were kind of, you know, begging on him a little bit that, they weren't that bad. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I have the energy to go back and find the audio, but <laughs> I'll, I'll let you slide. Um, no, I do think, though, it's it's been interesting how, and I can't remember which driver pointed it out um, after Saturday's races. It might have been Hamlin, might have been Harvick, but somebody said, you know, it's interesting this year how it's not so much organization-based mm-hmm. as it is team-based, you know, because normally what happens it, throughout the course of a NASCAR season, you know, like last year, when Joe Gibbs Racing 
combines to win 19 out of 36 races, it's really like, wow, JGR cars, which JGR car is going to win this week? But this season, I mean, you look at JGR for, for a great example. Hamlin is the class of the team. I mean, Truex is, is running pretty decent and he's contending in the top five, but not at Hamlin's level. And then you have Kyle Busch, who now, uh, you know, goes another race without any playoff points. Um, just, I, it's just hard to believe. I mean, what are we, 15 races down, mm-hmm. right? And, and only uh, 11 left in the regular season. He has zero playoff points, zero stage wins, zero wins. Um, just crazy because Denny Hamlin, his teammate, is leading the series. And then you look at, of course, SHR. This is not a surprise based on the last few years, but Kevin Harvick, clearly the class of that team, right? And then I think yep. it, it now you can sort of even extend it a little bit to Hendrick because for a while the Hendrick cars were all sort of running together. You know, like when the season came back, remember Jimmy Johnson was in contention for that stage win at Darlington, and, you know, he seems to have fallen off. Bowman's not as fast as he was at all uh, when, it, when they won Fontana. Um, Byron hasn't really done as much, and it's really just Chase Elliott who who carries the load it seems like for the most part so it's just it's interesting how you know you you sort of have these one this one car uh stick out on these teams which i i don't recall that as much um throughout at least the last few years of nascar no i mean it's been an issue at stuart haas racing I and mean, that's just kind of how they're they're situated but it, it know, was it, last year but think about two years ago remember the all four uh, shr cars were pretty strong yeah, I mean they were they were they had their moments. I mean Boyer won two races, Eric Almirola won a race, Kurt Busch won a race, but they were not on Kevin's level week in and week no, out. Those no. guys were, and I think that I always look at it like, you know, who's a championship contender on these teams? And I think honestly, if you look at Storehouse Racing, Kevin Harvick's the only guy there, and that team is is capable of winning a championship. I you know I look at Hendrick Motorsports and who and who it is, and I honestly think Chase Elliott's the only guy who can win a championship because he has the speed and the consistency. Like you said, Johnson is just, it's not there. He hasn't won a race in three years. They, they've kind of backs a little bit. Bowman is up and down. He goes through these stretches where he looks really, really good. And then he goes through other stretches where he kind of disappears. And Byron is has got his moments, but it's just not all there yet for him. So, I mean, really, Chase Elliott is it for Hendrick Motorsports. But Joe Gibbs Racing, though, is kind of the anomaly where I feel like Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, and Martin Truex Jr. could win the championship at, you know if they get going. And, you know, right now Hamlin is it. And that, that to me is the big surprise is just how big of gap there is within Joe Gibbs Racing because they are the one organization that has done a good job of getting all of their teams clicking at the same time. And that's just not going on right now. I mean, Kyle Busch found himself in a pickle today where, you know, he got caught up with a lap car and Ryan Blaney ran into him. And, you know, another disappointing finish for him in a, in a first half of the season that's been frustrating. And, Martin Jr. has looked good at times, and, and Eric Jones turned in a third-place finish today, but he's been up and down as well. But in Hamlin, really largely, week in and week out, is just on another level. Well, it's interesting, though, because Kyle Busch, you know, he he sort of made a quick comment about, um, well, you know, once we get back to uh, practicing again, um, I, I should be I should be better or something like that. And, and it was somewhat similar to what David Wilson, the head of TRD, had said uh, on a conference call with media about a week and a half ago um, where they, they were thinking that some of Kyle's struggles are a, a lack of practice. And, and it's just so, so weird to think about because you think of Kyle Busch as the best driver and willing, you know, being able to adapt to anything. He had a race at Pocono just yesterday 
And then, um, you know, he didn't run as well as I guess he wanted even before the wreck uh, today. And he's like, man, I, you know, we, we need to get back to practicing again. So that's just, it's a weird, uh, weird dynamic right now. Um, not sure what to make of that, but, uh, it's, it's, I'm, I personally find it refreshing. I guess all this talk is to say, I, I find it refreshing the amount of parody right now. Mm-hmm, um, agreed. it's annoying when you are, you know, halfway through the regular season and you're like, well, it's these three guys are pretty much already locked in the final four. Well, I was just going to march through the summer and, See if one you know person can slip up or one other guy can make it, but ugh, you know what I mean. Now no, I, I really, agree. I, yeah, it's it's just it's it's a lot more wide open uh, than we're used to, and I, I enjoy that. And I, we we've seen it this year. I mean, there's some times this year where the Penske cars look like they are kind of the class of the field, and then there's weeks where they're not. And Hendrick started off really strong, and I feel like they should have more wins than they do, but they are certainly not. They they've been caught if they haven't been passed already. And it looks like whatever issues that Toyota had at the beginning of the season with the Gibbs cars, that is certainly there. And Christopher Bell's even and turned in some good performances in his rookie year. So it just it does feel like across the board there isn't one dominant team, one dominant organization. Like you said, it goes you know depends on the track, it depends on the circumstances. And I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that there is no testing. The testing is limited. No practice, no qualifying. They're spreading out the teams in the garage. You you can't get someone else's secrets so much anymore. It's it's a different ball game. These are different circumstances, and this is the and it's and it's really helped level the playing field and really I think close the gap where some of the mid-sized teams are are able to have more consistency and have a more of a you know performance-wise have more gains. Yeah, and I mean you also look at um, different guys who can jump up. I mean we haven't talked about. Matt to Benedetto, but he's a guy, um, you know, I wouldn't say championship contender, but certainly someone, uh, if he gets hot, um, you know, he, he can run up there and contend for wins. Eric Almirola now has four mm-hmm. straight top fives and is someone I've been overlooking really um, as any yeah. sort of playoff threat. But, I mean, if you reel off four straight top fives, um, even though one was Taldega, I get that. But you got to take that somewhat seriously. Um so yeah, it's just it's it's very interesting right now. I I really like the dynamic, like I said, um, and you know I I think overall that um, you know this weekend was a good showcase um, for NASCAR in in terms of you know I'm not saying the on track product necessarily, but when you're when you're taking a step back and you know we're talking about when this idea first hatched, I think there was some worry of like okay are the two races going to look you know, the exact same. And mm-hmm. you did have obviously the, the top two guys finish one, two, it was the same car. So there's that element of it. But I don't think that these races to me were too similar. I mean, aside from the top two finishers, I mean, I think they had, they both had their different dynamic, you know, the invert helped shape, shake things up. Obviously the darkness, the threat of darkness helped. And there's um, more cautions today, more wrecks. Yeah. Um, so I think that was good. And, you know, it, it definitely proved as well that uh, the double header is a concept that can be achieved. And, I, you know, I would expect to see that more in the future, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think we're going to see it this year. I mean, it's going to happen at Michigan. That's the plan. It's going to happen at Dover. Both those races or race weekends are in August. So we're going to see more of it. My question for you is, were you impressed with how this double header went this weekend? Did you, did you, did you expect it to go as smoothly as it did? What were, you, what were your expectations and your feelings? I don't know if I was impressed, you know. This was one where, um, you know, if this had been a normal year, no COVID, um, you know, we had both put this fairly high on our list of, hey, we want to uh, 
we want to get to this red. I, I really wanted to go to this first ever doubleheader weekend um, just to see how it all worked and everything. But honestly, it, it kind of went so smoothly in a way that I'm not sure there was, you know, anything that would have been really particularly amazing to write about. I mean, the teams had long hours to, to turn a car around um, yeah. in a night, basically. You know, they had a few hours after the race. And they had to be back at the track early uh, this morning to to finish the work, but I didn't really see any anything that was like, "Wow, this is really crazy about this doubleheader weekend." It just kind of happened and it unfolded just fine. So then I was kind of like, "Well, I guess I didn't really need to be there, honestly, uh, to document it because I don't really know what I would have written about that would have been so like exceptional just about the logistics." You know, I mean, I, I think we both thought that the logistics were going to be like really difficult and unique and. It just seemed mostly everybody just adapted, right? Yeah, I would think that's a good way to say it is they adapted. I think the schedule probably could be tweaked a little bit to favor the teams. You know, the cup teams, they were there late last night. Chris Gabart talked about this, and they had to turn around. And, you know, there's no not a lot of hotels close to Pocono, so they're, they're driving 30 minutes one way. They had to be back early this morning. It seems like you, there could be more built in to kind of help these guys a little bit where they don't have late nights, early mornings. I thought – I thought there would be more snafus. And to NASCAR's credit, to Pocono's credit, to the team's credit, there wasn't. I thought there would be something that would come up unexpected, and you're like, oh, my goodness, uh, how do they not think of this? This is a disaster. Something along those lines, we didn't see that. I mean, even the teams that had to switch to backup cars because they they had issues yesterday, pretty seamless, I mean, largely. And I was surprised by that. I, I like this concept. I think it can be done, and it should be done at some racetracks. I Again, I just... You know, I, I understand what you're saying that both these races are different and how they played out and everything. But to me, 600 miles over two days at Pocono, I don't know if anybody needs that, frankly. And I, not to echo yesterday's podcast, but I just, to me, this is a this is a track that deserves one race and one race only. If we're doing double headers, I want to see it at a racetrack where it's exciting, where you're like, man, I want more racing there, not less. No, I agree, and that's a great point. That you know. You you want to if you're gonna have a doubleheader, you want the first race to be so exciting that you're like, wow, I can't wait to see what happens tomorrow, rather than, oh god, we gotta do this again tomorrow. You know what I mean? And that's yeah, what yeah, Pocono I mean, yeah. is gonna give you most of the time. Um, it's you know it's just not the best track. I I think that you know NASCAR now has basically said to Pocono, okay, look, we're we're reducing you to one one weekend. I I can't see a scenario where they ever go back to two weekends now that they've gone down to one there. So the real question is, you know, does it need to be two cup races? I think if you, you know, if you say, look, we'll do, we'll do a, we'll do Arca trucks, doubleheader Saturday and an Xfinity cup doubleheader Sunday. And you give people, uh, you know, a reason to come in Friday and camp and enjoy the weekend and, you know, do that, that part of that element that people enjoy at Pocono and give them a full race weekend of stuff on the track, then I don't really know if you need two cup races, honestly. Um, so I don't see the point. Yeah. Um, especially with, with this schedule where they're really trying to open things up and be more creative with the, with the tracks they go to hopefully. Yeah. I, I just, uh, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. Um, what else do we need to talk about from this Pocono race today? Um, Hmm. Let's see. Nothing comes to mind. I thought it was an entertaining race. We saw some crashes. Um, nothing really jumps out at me. I mean, it was, it was just saw the typical players that we saw, which was, you know, Keselowski is up there. Hamlin was up there. Ryan Blaney was up there. Chase Elliott was up there. It was just kind of the usual suspects in, in some ways. But 
how it unfolded and, and how the outcome we got was certainly different. Yeah. Well, um, Jordan, it looks like your streak in the was it a good race poll may be coming to an end. I'm heartbroken. Um, now, this, was it a good race polls not finalized as of this podcast because, of course, we're talking about the first Pocono race. The poll comes out the day after each race and runs for 24 hours, so we're still in that window. But there's been a lot of votes in. You had said 50%. I had said 40%. Looks like it's about 43.9%, uh, last time I looked. So it's going to be close, but you may have been defeated on this one. So I'll give oh, you a chance no. here. Uh, uh, we we talked about this second Pocono race was for the Was It a Good Race poll. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, sure. Please. So I do think it was a better Pocono race than the first one. And as we're saying, we, we just saw here that this one's going to end up in the mid-40s, the first one. So what does that mean? I mean, I still saw a lot of people say, eh, because, you know, Denny Hamlin – sort of at the end i mean once the strategy got played out he ran away with it but i think that there, there was some excitement um whether because of the wrecks or the darkness are they going to make that that was that was kind of a cool little twist actually um yeah, i hate I the late start time but i understand you know because of triple header and everything but anyway um so i think this one has more of a chance to get um in the low 60s than the mid 40s so I'm just going to say 62% on this one. All right. Sounds great. Uh, wonderful. I'm just going to ride 50% again. Oh. I, I have no rhyme or reason. I'm just going to say 50%. Wow. What is that? I am shocked. I, I almost like fell backwards when you said 50. You you, I, you think it was the same? Because you said 50 for yesterday, and then you said this was a, a much better race, but you think yeah, it's going to be viewed the same? Well, people was forty. So forty three percent of the people liked the race yesterday. So and this race was better. So I think it wasn't significantly better, but it was better. I so see. I see. This is bumping up to fifty. Okay. Very interesting. Okay. Well, you might have a shot at that. Uh, I feel like I left too much room there. I wish I would have gone, you know, mid fifties <laughs> now because you way overthink this, this. This is very important to me. But uh, you know, I, I have to tell you, Jordan, um, you're you're about to go on vacation for this week and. There'd be nothing better than for me to text you during your vacation and tell you that you lost and have that uh, that taste in your mouth <laughs> the whole time while it will, it will eat at me, let me just tell you. It will bug me, I'm, it'll yeah, probably ruin right. my vacation. Yeah, yeah. Sure. But when you get back from vacation, uh there's gonna be some more to talk about because July fourth, that Saturday coming up, is the IndyCar Xfinity Series doubleheader. First time mm-hmm. it's been a IndyCar NASCAR doubleheader weekend. We've been talking about this forever. Crazy, and, isn't it? Yes, it's finally like, I mean, we, finally this, here. Pe- people have been talking about this forever, and it should happen. Will this happen? And it took a global pandemic for this to come together finally. And, I, and I, I'm laughing, and I, and I shouldn't laugh because obviously the circumstances are terrible. But it is just funny how this, you know, out of necessity, this this finally happened, and everybody's on board and excited by it. Yeah. So they're going to run um, on the road course, the, essentially the Indy Roval, although Charlotte has copyrighted the term Roval, so. We'll just call it the Indy Road Course, I guess. And then um, then the, the Brickyard 400 will go as normal on the Oval with the Cup Cars on Sunday, July 5th. NBC uh, will have the coverage of that um, instead of Fox. Then Fox comes back for Kentucky. It's so weird. We've never uh, – well, I guess back when they used to alternate Daytona 500, yeah. uh, we, we've seen them switch off kind of. But just weird because we're so used to like, okay, Fox says goodbye – now um, NBC takes over or like TNT before ESPN or whatever. And it's just weird that they're going to 
alternate for a couple weeks there. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm, uh, I don't know. It's I'm looking forward to the IndyCar race and the Xfinity race on the road course. Not as much looking forward to the Brickyard 400, just because you know it's a boring race. It's a bad race, <laughs> but it's horrible. <laughs> it is, and I feel bad, but. Um, it, I mean, like people will say, like, "Oh, 2017 was great." I'm like, "Yeah, 2017 was great because it was just nuts." I mean, people yeah. were crashing into each other and the, and driving like mad. I mean, if you can give me a race like that every year, awesome. But more often than not, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Well, I can I can tell you, uh, the Cup race um, for the Brickyard is going to look fairly like the Xfinity race has been at the Brickyard, where <laughs> completely empty stands. Uh, there's no fans, and uh, so it won't look too much different than some of the races we've seen there before, but um, I'm, I'm looking forward to see how <laughs> was that mean? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just that, you know, I, I, for so long, we'll talk about this next week, but I, for so long defended the Brickyard 400 as like, Hey, even though the race sucks, it's still a crown jewel. It's indie, you know, the tradition, all this stuff. And now I'm just like, move it to IRP. We don't need to, we don't need to see a race there, but you know, it it is still tradition. Uh, yeah. So and I'm Team Road Course. So just I'm cool with being there. I get it. It's awesome. But Road Course. You want to bump uh bump it off the oval, huh? Even for bump cup? it off the the oval is it, it's we you know we'll talk about this. I'm sure I've written about it. You've written about it. I mean, you can check on the athletic. We talked about the road about this last year. It's just not good. It's not conducive to good racing. It's a big flat low bank track. It's narrow. It, it's not good for stock cars. But you put those guys on a road course. Sign me up. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll have a direct comparison uh, coming yeah, up. That's that's going to be this interesting. Week. So yeah, it, it will be it will be very interesting. Well, Jordan, I uh, hope you enjoy your vacation. Expect a text from me and perhaps tweets from the listeners, hopefully telling you that you lost. Don't check your Twitter if you won, um, and you won't hear from me if you if you did win. <laughs> I I won't uh, give you that satisfaction. So um, <laughs> that's the kind of poor sport that I am, Jordan. <laughs> you but, take this way too seriously. <laughs> What else do I have in my life competition wise? Nothing. You beat me at, at words with friends. I had to give, give up and delete the app cause I was so embarrassed. That was great. So, you know, this is all I've, this is all I've got, but <laughs> anyway, thank you all for listening to hopefully both the podcast this weekend. You know, if you're not a subscriber to the athletic Jordan, this is a good time because, yes. um, great deal. Yes. There's a 30 day trial offer right now for the athletic uh ongoing i think this started about a week ago so uh, i guess it's not 30 days anymore but another few weeks and basically how you can see this is when we click out our uh click out our links when you click on one of our links we send our, out our links on twitter or whatever to our stories and you're not a subscriber you can go to any of the links it'll prompt you for this offer right there there's no you don't need a special uh code or anything like that just click on one of our links and you can sign up to the 30 days free right there. Uh, you can hear the the bonus podcast as well. When we have those in addition to reading our stories, um, we didn't talk about the whole, uh, news thing, uh, on this podcast, but we wrote plenty about that and might have two columns about it and all this stuff. So, uh, feel free to check those out. If you want to hear our thoughts on that, and we'd love for you to become subscribers if you're not already. Thank you to all our subscribers for supporting us. Yes, Big thank you. Yeah. Appreciate that. So uh, anyway, Jordan, time for you to go enjoy vacation and time for me. I got work to do still. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, after that and uh, everybody else, we will talk to you next time on The Teardown. <laughs>